1: What's up, Grappling fans? First episode of 2020 for Who's Number One. Very excited to be back. We hope everyone had a great holiday season there. Joining me today, we have Michael Sears here on my right. Ryan Smith there is in the back, and our favorite Canadian, Ricardo Amendolia, the voice of jiu-jitsu, is calling
2: in. Welcome back, guys. Uh,
1: everyone have a good break.
2: Yeah, happy new year to everybody. Uh, Chase lost your mustache over the break.
1: I did. Uh, Improved look. I know that's going to disappoint some people out there, but I see Ricardo shaking his head. But it was time for a change. New year, new face. But uh welcome. So, so
0: disappointed. So disappointed in you, Chase.
1: Anyways, we just opened up the show there with uh, one of the nomination videos for the Flow Grappling Awards. Uh, As you guys may have noticed, we are running those. We have four categories this year, Best Male Grappler, Best Female Grappler, Submission of the Year, and Match of the Year. Uh, The voting period is open now. You can see all those videos on flowgrappling.com, and it will extend until uh, January 7th. That's next Tuesday. That's your last day to get your vote in, and the awards will be announced two days later on the 9th. So that is a fun time for everybody. On
2: Fistful next week, right? The awards it's, go on a Fistful. It'll yeah. be
1: on Thursday on a, a, yeah, technically the Fistful of Callers time slot, which we're using right now. We've borrowed it because uh, no one was going to come into work yesterday on January 1st, but it's it's now the new dawn. We're back in the season, back in the studio. And uh, also some big updates occurred over the break there. Michael, we signed a couple more matches for, for who's number one. Tell me about those.
2: Yeah, uh, so, yeah, a lot's happened since we were back last in the studio before Christmas. Uh we got our two main events, our, our co-main event, our main event for the uh, event. And I'm very excited about them. We have uh, a big one. We just signed the other day is Keenan Cornelius versus Roberto, and also uh, Nicholas Marigali versus Victor Hugo. So two very big uh, matches. First off, Ricardo, what do you think about this Roberto keenan matchup? What do you think? How do you think that one matches up?
0: I love it. I love it. You know, when Keenan first came onto the scene in the international scene of black belt, he was the hottest Brown belt prospect in the world. He was the first American Brown belt to be on the cover of Gracie mag. We didn't even have his black belt yet. There was so much hype, so much momentum going, you know, with Keenan at that time. And Roberto is, is basically the same thing now. So it's a clash of generations, even though Keenan is a new black belt, you know he's I Sorry, he's, he's not like an older black belt. He's not an old generation, but you know he's been black belt for a few years. But I, I love this match. You know I think it's it's really intriguing. I think that um, stylistically it's great because Keenan, I, I like is he's you know he's a worm guard lapel guard maniac, but he's generally a slower starter, whereas Roberto's a fast paced starter. So I love this match.
1: I think that's a spot on analysis there, Ricardo. Uh, we were just talking about there. How about Roberto is just kind of balls to the wall? You know he's going to go for. It. He's got nothing to lose here. Keenan, of course, yeah. a, a legend, and you know if Roberto just has a strong showing, you know it'll yeah. be considered a, a win for him.
2: You, you can't count Roberto out of anything. Like I've counted him out too many times, where he can just get, he can get a back take from anywhere, anytime, and tap people that you think yeah. he's going he's gonna to be or he's going to lose to. And I mean something I think that's pretty interesting about this is like, uh, yeah, like Roberto sort of. I mean, Keenan was running things at the color belts, purple belt, double grand slam. Then Roberto comes and and wins the open class at Worlds, taps everybody. So they both were really dominant color belts. It sort of goes with the theme of, like, who's number one showcasing the color belts. These are guys who did it, and now they're at the black belt level. I'm very excited to see how this matchup plays out. Yeah, and
1: it was a great way to end the year, seeing Roberto have that amazing uh, performance there in the Absolute Division at Nogi Worlds. Got promoted immediately after taking gold. And we're all very excited to see him now mix it up with the the elite level. So great news there. But we also signed one more match there, Michael. Uh who else is joining us at Who's number one?
2: Nicholas Marigali and Victor Hugo. Schmerigali. Yeah. Shmarigali. Uh yeah, another exciting one. I mean, Nicholas obviously has already done a lot at the uh black belt level. He's black belt world champ two times. But I mean Victor Hugo uh double double grand slam at Brown Belt last year. So if you don't if you're not familiar with that, that means he won his weight and the absolute at every single major IBJJF tournament, which is just pretty incredible. And uh, he's a big dude. got a great guard. Uh, I think this one's going to probably be Victor playing guard against Nicholas Passing. I'm really excited for it. Uh, Something interesting about this matchup, when I was looking up, like, the the people who've won Worlds at all the belts recently, Nick – uh, Victor Hugo was a six-time world champion in the color belts. Nicholas was a five-time. So they oh, were, wow. like, two of the best color belts in the last decade, probably the two best. So it's an interesting matchup.
1: I mean, let's not forget, too, that Victor Hugo has had his black belt for almost six months now and has beat some huge names. I mean, he has a submission win over Cyborg at Nogi Worlds, a, a nat- nasty, nasty knee bar. I believe he's defeated Joao Gabriel Hoche at one point and Ricardo Evangelista a couple times. So Victor Hugo is maybe in his first season as a, as a black belt, but he is by no means uh, very green to the division now. And I think he'll be an interesting challenge there for Marigali. So I'm super pumped to have those on our card. Uh, You can watch it live in Costa Mesa, California on February 8th. Uh, The tickets are being sold currently on flowgrapplingtix.com right now, so don't delay, get those, you can see it there in person, we'll of course be streaming it live as well, and stay tuned for all the upcoming content, we did a bunch of fun stuff with some of the up and coming color belts on the show, I just uh, met with Jessica Khan recently from AOJ, did a little profile piece on her that you'll see shortly, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a really fun show, I'm really excited, we're just a little over a month out, and uh, it's going to be a great time, but don't want to look too far ahead because january is freaking stacked it is
2: yeah it's crazy it is a wild a busy month. wild
1: month for us and i uh, couldn't be more excited to see the return of Gee season of course with the european championships the ibjgf always throws an amazing amazing event that's six seven days long it seems like in a uh, uh, there's thousands of athletes that will be running from january 20th to the 26th i believe is the current schedule though that may change with the uh registration level michael you excited to go back to lisbon
2: Oh, yeah, I'm really excited for the Gi season to kick off. I mean, Nogi was fun, but, it, I mean, I'm I'm really happy to get back into the Gi season, get into the swing of things. We, we get to see some new athletes that we didn't see over the last couple of months in Nogi, guys like Marigali, guys like, you know, Mikey Musumeci. Uh And, uh, yeah, Lisbon's always a good time. It's very exciting. There's a lot of uh, – the atmosphere is great there. The season's kicking off. There's a lot of European fans there who get to see athletes they don't normally get to see, and I'm really looking forward to that one.
1: Ricardo, are you looking forward for the, the Gi, the pajamas coming back?
0: Can't wait for the pajama party to begin. Europeans is about to begin. Uh, it's one of the hottest tournaments. It's funny because, you know, there's every year at Europeans there's always like some breakthrough star. There's some monumental moment. I, I think about when Urberth fought Pergisa, when Tommy Langecker submitted Urberth. There's so many, so many awesome moments. So uh, as a fan, I just can't wait to to tune in. Unfortunately I won't be commentating. My Usada band's almost, you know, a couple more years <laughs> might be lifted. Yeah. Free Balea. Uh, Patches are coming out soon, guys, but uh, maybe I'll be watching at home just like everyone else.
1: Very nice. We also have. Few fight to wins on, the, on this month. Actually, th- those guys never stop. Shout out to Seth Daniels there for keeping the train moving. First event uh, is actually next weekend. is going to be January 10th in Scottsdale with a main event featuring Marcio Andre and Ben Henderson. That's a sick matchup. I love when they, they throw in a little bit of a wild card. You know, have a, a primarily MMA fighter going up against a traditional jiu-jitsu guy. What do you guys think about that matchup?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a 170-pound Nogi match here. So, I mean, I'd imagine Marcio is going to be playing guard. I don't see Ben Henderson passing as guard. I think Mar- you got to consider Marcio a heavy favorite here, in my opinion. Marcio so high level, but I mean, just Ben Henderson. Uh, always got to love MMA guys, big name MMA MMA guys throwing their name out there and uh, having a jiu-jitsu match against a high level opponent. It's a great matchup. I said. I agree. Then, well, tri-
0: I hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. I oh, beg ooh. to differ. I, I was, was waiting honest. for this. You've been very, okay, very
1: <laughs> calm this whole show, Ricardo. What do you got? Well, for it's us?
0: 2020, new year, new me. But anyways, no. Um, the thing is. I like this match for a couple of reasons is because Marcio is not a guy that if you take him down, you can expect to see arm bars and triangles. He's more of a sweeper kind of, you know, technical player in that respect. So I think that, you know, Benson has a really good chance to obviously take Marcio down. There's no points, but I could see him kind of dictating what happens from there. Um, I think the question is going to be can Marcio sweep him from there or take his back And as opposed to the contrast looking at what Benson could do, probably going to go after the, you know, guillotines, front headlocks, trying to get off the pass. So, it's, you know, there's no favorite in this match. I I really like this. Great job by Seth Daniels preparing these two up.
2: I don't know if there'll be a takedown. I think Marcio just sits. (laughs) I don't think he's going to go out and wrestle with him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised. I mean, fight two in rules, you never know, but I'd be really surprised if Ben can pull it off. But, I mean, wrestlers are hard. I mean, uh, uh, MMA guy, as athletic as Ben Henderson is going to be hard to sweep. He's going to be hard to tap. MMA guys are always hard to tap. So, yeah, it's a tough matchup for Marcio. I mean, it's,
1: yeah. Benson's also got a couple of fight cold. to wins under his belt, so he's familiar with the rule set. He probably knows. Uh, Ben's probably a
2: little bit bigger, I'd
1: imagine. Yeah, His legs are definitely yeah. going to be stronger. I mean,
2: Marcio, Marcio gets all hey. the way down to featherweight sometimes. And this is a 170-pound match. So,
1: Fight to win 135 hey, hey, hey. goes down the following weekend there, January 18th, with the main event of none of them. Victor Hugo versus Nicky Rod, Nicky Rod back in action. Uh, that is a barn burner matchup. I mean, Nicky Rod's just sheer physicality uh, going up against a very technical Victor Hugo. I, I, I can't think of a bigger clash of styles, if you want to call it that. What are you guys' uh, ideas there?
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of hype behind Victor Hugo Nogi right now. I mean, he just won the open class at uh, Nogi Worlds, Tap Cyborg. So, I mean, his biggest Nogi accomplishment yet, I mean, probably his biggest accomplishment because all his, uh, his gear stuff was brown belt basically and uh yeah victor's guard so good he uses his length so well but i mean nicky rod's got that x factor right mm-hmm. he's so aggressive just doesn't stop moving uh always pushing the pace man it's is a crazy one ricardo any uh are you looking forward to that matchup or what
0: yeah i love it it's got this like whole six degrees of cyborg uh you know connection going we got you know nikki rod victor hugo cyborg you know cyborgs fought both of them uh you know victor hugo submitted him nikki rod did not but it was an amazing match so i'm looking forward to it and you know to quote you chase i was going to say this earlier how much of a pain in the butt is it to wrestle the high school the guy that comes into your academy white belt that's like yeah, I wrestled for 5 years in high school. You take that, you know, physicality and then you look at Nikki Rod. He's like the opposite end of the spectrum. So it's not going to be easy for Victor Hugo to um to deal with such a really good wrestler as uh, Nikki Rod, but not only is he a good wrestler, he's been training with Andher and those guys there. So it's man, this has got fireworks all over. it. I love this match when Seth said it, um when he told us about it, I was I was, you know, I was super happy. I think stylistically they're they're very different. You know, Victor Hugo's not a big wrestler, he'll pull guard and now we know he's gonna attack legs. So, you know, Nikki Rod's better dot those I's and cross those T's because Victor Hugo is coming for something.
1: Fight to Win rounds out the January schedule uh, on the 24th in LA at Fight to Win 136. The main event there is Gabby Garcia versus Gabby Pasanha. Now, that's
2: a crazy, that's crazy matchup. That's up. my favorite out of any of them. Like uh, I saw a lot of people online that, uh, I guess, don't follow the color belts who were thinking it's a, a squash match for Gabby Garcia. Oh, no way. They're really underestimating Gabby Pasanha. Is this a
1: Gi match or no Gi match?
2: It's, it's got to be Gi. I, I would guys. assume it's a Gi match. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Gabby Pasanha you can't underestimate her. I mean, she's already proven uh, – the women in the AJP fight Brown and Black Belt together and she beat Naccielli what twice two or three times and Notchelli's the, the open class yeah. world champion at Black Belt. Yeah, and
1: it was pretty one Ga- one sided every time.
2: Gabby Pasania was like double grand slam at purple, was like a match away from doing it at Brown. Uh yeah, I mean if Naciali went out and beat Gabby Garcia and Fight to Win rules, uh Gabby Pasania absolutely can go do it too. I'm really looking forward to this one. It's a class yeah. of generations.
1: That is a crazy matchup. Uh and Fight to win of course, very, very busy. We're looking forward to seeing those guys back. But we have one more promotion actually uh, with an, another event here in January. Jits King is back. They're based out there in Florida. The show will be taking place in Miami, January twenty fourth. Uh, will Tackett is back on the card. They're currently looking for another opponent for him. But we have Boogeyman versus Enrico Coco. John Combs is going to take on Cody Steele. And uh, there's a great sixteen uh, man tournament that has uh, Keith Ricorian, Cade Ruatolo, Ethan Krelston, uh even Andrew Tackett, Will's younger brother, is in that. That's a super fun event. So don't sleep on those. Games guys are always uh making some improvements to the show and they're developing into one of the best promotions there is today
0: so and shout uh, out to jits king and uh Wagner osha's daughter i believe is competing on it okay. jasmine osha yeah yeah she's another uh young up-and-comer so keep your eyes on her as you well Gotta
1: watch out for the hoshas they're always dynamic and dangerous uh he's got a, a young son achilles too that's pretty badass or a teenager i believe Yep. But anyways, that kind of takes us through the, the uh, event schedule for January. It's going to be nonstop. This is the only weekend of the month where there's no events, but then it's, it's crazy from then on out. We'll be very busy, very, very excited. And uh, on that note, I think it's time to do a bit of a deep dive here with uh, my friend Michael Sears, who's written a preview for basically every single Gi division, uh, male and female, at Black Belt. Phenomenal work there, Michael. And uh, let's dive in. Let's let's go from lightest on our way up. We'll probably won't get through all the divisions today. We'll come back next week and run them out because it's pretty detailed stuff. But we'll see how far we get. Um, let's open up here with the rooster weights, Michael. All
2: right. Yeah, key season. Let's get it, man. I'm really stoked for this. Yeah. Uh, start with the rooster weights, Caleb. If you want to pull up our preseason number one, Mikey Musumeci, right there. I mean, yeah, one world. There's an easy one, but I think the big question here is: Is Mikey a rooster weight next year?
1: Well, we've seen a a lot of back and forth there on his own Instagram. Mikey has been asking uh, to compete in two divisions at Worlds. Yeah, that's
2: not going to happen. He said, yeah, that was mine. uh, I I mean, it's it's, it's a a wild
1: request. I I, I like it. I like like that he's hungry. You know what I mean? That's what I want to see from a champion. Michael could just be resting on his laurels and say, I'm a three-time champ. No, he wants to compete twice in in two different brackets, so I love it. But uh, that does make me think, you know, that, well, maybe he doesn't want to go to Rooster unless it's really worth it. You know, he can do two divisions. <laughs> maybe light feathers where he ends up. But um I just or, hope we get to see or, Mikey more than once he, this year.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or or is he just playing mind games with the rest of his division?
1: You know, Who he knows? is. You know, with Kyotera and those guys, they think they're playing 40 d chess over there. They definitely go to the next I, level. I
2: don't think he I don't know if he can make it again. I mean, remember he pulled out of pans like a a day early uh because he was having trouble with the weight cut. He shaved his head before Worlds because he was so close on the weight. If I was him, just go Light Feather. I want him at Light Feather. It'll make things more exciting. But other questions here. Bruno Malficini.
1: Does he come back? I don't I know. Think, I
2: think Bruno comes back. That would be phenomenal. I don't think he wants to end his career the way it ended last year at Worlds. I think we're going to see Bruno back in the mix.
1: And then, of course, we have Tal- Talisson sorres I think that's the big X factor. And I would love to see Mikey take on Talisson. I think that's uh, just like a match everyone wants to see. Um, Ricardo... What would you uh, predict? I don't know predict, but
2: what, what
1: what intrigues you maybe about about Roosterweight right now? Throughout a lot of names right there, a lot of changes, generations, all those kind of things happening. Anything uh, standing out to you? We see Mikey here with his crazy yeah, you, footlock, by the way.
0: Yeah, you guys said it. You know, uh, Talison and Mikey is the match that I want to see. I think we all want to see. Um, you know, Talison's just one of the next big things a black belt is just, you know, we have that amazing documentary that Michael Sears. I keep saying it every time I'm on this podcast, but I really liked it. Uh, Michael did a really good piece on Taliesin Suarez. I recommend you guys watch that at home and uh, Mikey, you know, we did the documentary on Mikey. For those of you learned a lot about the, you know, the mental, the, the mental side of what Mikey went through, through some of his biggest events, you know, pe- we see these guys fighting and competing and we don't consider a lot of the factors and, Learning a lot about Mikey in that documentary, it he helps me appreciate how much of a true competitor he is. And I, I want to see that match, whether it's at Europeans, whether it's at Pans, at Worlds. It's got to go down. And if it doesn't go down, let's make it. And who's number one, the second edition? There we gotta go. We got to see it.
1: I like where your head's yeah, at.
2: I mean, uh, Tallison is somebody <laughs> that, like, we never saw him push. Oh, I mean, he went years without, without losing, right? Blue, purple, brown, doing the Grand Slam yeah. every single year. He's just running through the Roosterweight division at the Color Bowls. Now we're gonna get to see him Absolutely. up here at this at this next level and get to go against I mean we've seen him at t- have some tough matches with Hachini Barbosa and OG Worlds I was gonna it, shout
1: out Hachini. that was the first match that Tallison didn't submit, I think, in yeah, forever, yeah. you know. And, he uh, lost
2: to Babeto actually at the Moscow Grand Slam. That's right, that's right. That, that was you know, a lot of guys stumble when they first get out there. I think he's gonna be contended for the title uh by the time we get to Worlds. And uh yeah, the Roosterweight division is even if Mikey's not there, I think it's more exciting than ever with Bruno. With Tallison, and with Bebeto, uh a bunch of these guys, Kleber Souza. There's there's a lot of talent in that division right now, and I'm excited for it. You never know, Kyle Terra. I
1: was just gonna say, we don't know what Kyle's doing. He yeah. could come back.
2: Kyle yeah. Terra. Yeah, he could just not compete all year and just all of a sudden sign up for worlds. You never know with that guy. So, uh,
1: I just want to give a shout out actually to the Roosterweights because I feel like that division sometimes gets overlooked a little bit. You know, they don't get the, quite the love they deserve, but. I, I think it's one of the most dynamic divisions today, and I feel like last year everyone was talking about the Rooster Weights, and that's, that's just really exciting to me to see other divisions kind of step up and uh, you know claim a little bit of the action there, get a little bit of excitement going behind them.
2: Yeah, I think we're going to have some big-name Roosters in for, uh, for Euros as well. I know Talison's already in there, a couple other guys. I, uh, I've heard some rumors about some other big names getting in, so I, yeah. think, we're, I, think, I think the Roosters going to kick it off right away in January with a tough bracket there.
1: Any uh, any other storylines we want to dive into before we head on over to uh, the women's side of the rooster weight and light feather?
2: Uh, yeah, I think that's just it. Like, what weight does Mikey go? I'm saying light feather. But w- besides <laughs> that, I mean, if you get Bruno, ten time at, uh, IBJJF world champ versus Taliesin this year, that'll be a, that's that, another dream match. Yeah, that'll be wild. It'd be a yeah. test generation for sure.
1: All right, well, that takes us up, I think, to the biggest questions going into 2020 for the rooster weights. Where's Mikey going? What legends come back? And uh, what happens next, based on those ramifications? Kyle,
2: Kyle Ter crazy, man. He's about about it. He might just jump right in there. You never know. He might not even train and just jump in and do worlds. And he's always a threat. So
1: I'd love to see it. Moving on, then to the women's rooster weight, which we've doubled up here with light feather, as a lot of times they are forced to kind of combine those divisions based on uh, level of entrance. Big story here is, of course, My Sebastos, uh, kind of the queen of rooster weights right now. You could call her. Is that correct, Michael?
2: Yeah, I mean she's just stopping everybody. She's just stomping her way through tournaments, man. She's beating up on girls. The only one that uh, was even close with her really la- – I mean, she lost at Brasileto, up at Life Other. There was no rooster for there. But she won all the other Grand Slams, won the Abu Dhabi World Pro. She beat Ricaco, uh, multiple-time world champ, in the final there <laughs> and uh, at Worlds. And uh, I think one storyline to uh, watch here is there's this girl, Brenda Larissa, who just got her black belt, mm-hmm. this Alliance girl. She got her black belt from Fabio ago. That girl in the brown and black mixed divisions last year – Beat Maesa. I believe they were one and one against each other. Beat her. Beat her once for sure.
1: One of the AGP tournaments as
2: a brown belt. So now Maesa's got somebody who's recently beat her She's going to be in there, and hopefully Ricco back. And uh, yeah, but you got to go with Maissa. She's just looked untouchable in the rooster weight division in IBJJF.
1: Just claimed gold recently. Yeah, I saw. Sorry, go ahead, Ricardo.
0: No, just watching her compete. Um, watching her like her lapel guard and her just her Dalhiva reverse. De La... It's just. Every guard that she throws out there, it just feels like she's just so far above a lot of the other competitors in her division when she plays her, when she, she gets that motion going, once she starts whipping those lapels around and wrapping legs and arms and getting sweeps ready. She just, it's so cool to watch. I was really impressed with her last year at a couple of the AJP tours. I didn't really see much of her before that and then uh, got to see her in action. I was super impressed. She's got a
1: really fun game, man. I was watching her final at Nogi Worlds and uh for someone so small she has like incredible pressure passing yeah
2: well she's the unity style man Bar- <laughs> it's Bar- so Bar- fun Bolo, to watch. Bar- Bolo from the bottom and pressure passing on top she smashes people yeah she's Absolutely. got
1: just this amazing amazing pressure and uh actually it's kind of inspired my my 2020 jujitsu resolution i want to work on my pressure passing so that's a little shout out there to, to my sebastos did
2: we ever show them my iso graphic i don't remember if we called it up i think we did i oh, think, okay, I, think right, I came through
1: right, yeah right. yeah um but at light feather then we have uh Mayo light wait feather. wait wait chase
0: chase before Are we, we get before we continue mm. you need to work on your baron bolo defense oh. because i remember the last time i rolled with you the Balea bolo got whipped out so you better you better train up boy
1: uh, but we still have uh, some key names here in Light Feather. No, I'll um, no, go
0: to Male
2: Light Feather is, is next. We want, to hit, we want to hit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll are... move
1: on over then to, to Male Light Feather. Um, Michael, lead the way then. What, what do you want to discuss first from the stacked Light Feather right. divisions?
2: We got our, our our number one, preseason number one, Joao Miao, the champ. But, I mean, it was an up-and-down year for him. And it was, this was a very, very strange division in uh, 2019 where we saw closeouts in the semis. The world's uh, final was just closeouts in both semis and a final. And that's why I'm saying going into 2020, Mikey Musumeci, you are our only hope. <laughs> Make this division great again.
0: Seriously. <laughs> we
2: need somebody to come in there and shake it up. We got Gabriel Souza and Alex Sadre and some guys who have beat Joao this, this last year. But at Worlds, it was four Cicero guys. Now you're putting into the mix, Pato's going to be in there. Pato's just as good as Just, just another one. Yeah, he, yeah. T- he, Pato uh, did, a, did the Grand Slam at Brown Belt last year. Now that's another Cicero guy. So there's going to be five of them. Jonas, I think, will cut down to to Rooster, but uh I mean, Joel had an up and down year. He he lost to Sadre at Brasileto, he lost to uh Gabriel Souza at the World Pro in the final, but he came back and got done at Worlds and closed out the world final with his brother. But I think we're gonna see Mikey up in this division. I think Mikey's gonna go for the challenge and uh really shake things up here. What that
1: would thinking? be nice, you know. I, even now if you look at the early signups for Euros, there's four Cicero guys in there right now, I believe. Um so it's it's a little bit Tough you know, that, that really stacks the bracket in their in their division. Ricardo, what are your what are your thoughts on the matter, on the light feathered predicament we have going here?
0: I mean, Mikey's the king, and if he goes back, I mean he's he's better be he better be really careful because he's gonna have four Cicero guys who are all gunning for him, training with each other, studying him, uh, you know, for the best at that division. So he's the king, but he's gotta be careful this year.
1: What was the um Mikey and Joao have had a back and forth uh, kind of rivalry for some time now. What's what's his standing on the we know Mikey. The head? Uh,
2: uh, Mikey is eleven and zero against Cicero Costa people in general. He's never lost to Tiago George, Tiago Barros, or Joao. Hmm. But but he hasn't fought the big dog. He hasn't fought Paulo. Okay, so so that's Michael, that's the match then. Paulo. I mean something that you gotta you gotta bring up when you're talking this division is uh, Paulo just had. Apparently, from what I hear, had knee surgery. So oh, really? he's going to miss most okay. of the season. I, someone, oh, I had no idea. That's disappointing. Some, someone told me he's going to be back for Worlds. but So I, I think we'll probably see Mikey versus the rest of the Cicero team, and then maybe Paulo comes in okay. at the World Championship. I want to see Mikey Paulo. I really want to see that one. It's, I've been waiting a while.
1: That is a phenomenal situation. Don't, don't
2: sleep on Pato, though. Diego, Diego Pato might be the best out of those Cicero guys. He did the Grand Slam Brown Belt last year. He's a total beast.
1: All right, let's kick it back over then to the uh, Women's Light Feather.
2: Women's Light Feather. Women's this, Light Feather. This is, this is a wild division. This is probably, out of all of the female divisions, there's so many contenders for the title. Let's look at our, our preseason number one here. A-Rod. <laughs> A-Rod, I love it. A- I haven't <laughs> heard that. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, A-Rod, BJJ, coming t- out of the Dream Art Project. Uh, she was a Brown Boat World Champ last year, and she already took this over because she's she's been killing it. She beat Amanda Montero. She beat Toledo. Uh, I mean, Amanda Canuto now. Beat Toledo. Beat... Talida, beat mm. Amal, like, four times. She beat uh, Bianca Basilio and Maissa at the Queen of Match. Like, she has been killing it. And, I mean, look how stacked this division is. Tammy Musumeci won Worlds last year. Mm-hmm. You got Amanda Canuto as a world champ. You got Toledo, the Honey Badgers, another world champ. You got Jezri, another world champ. And then uh, that's not easy. You got Amal. is a savage. Amal's choked Amanda before. This division, there's a bunch of contenders for the title. I'm, I'm looking forward to see how it shakes out.
1: Yeah, and of course we have an- another uh, Musa mechi here, uh, current world champion, Tammy Musa a uh, Question mark as how active she might be this year. Last year, Worlds was her only appearance, but she came over and won that thing. Uh, amazing accomplishment there. So uh, I'd love to see her back in action as well, but you never really know.
2: Yeah, you don't get uh, – she's not She's not going to compete as much as the other girls. But hopefully she shows up at Worlds to try and uh, defend that title because it will make things more interesting. Toledo was looking on fire at the uh, – uh, Nogi World. Nogi World's there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Honey Badger. What are you thinking about the Honey Badger next year, Ricardo?
0: She just keeps, uh, I'll say it again, she keeps impressing me every every year. You know, she doesn't train with, um, you know, a big team. She's an alliance, but she's not training at Fabio She's teaching in Florida at uh, another academy. So, you know, she just has all the tools to become one of the greatest female grapplers of all time. But A Rod. A Rod's got the tools as well. A Rod, she got a cool nickname. You guys got to watch. She's got the cool nickname. Um, <laughs> she's just got the look. She just knows what she's super confident. And coming out of that Queen of Mat's winning, she had some big wins over there. She beat Bianca Basilio. Who else did yours?
2: Maisa. She beat me. Maisa there. Maisa.
0: Yeah. So she's got she's got all the makings of uh one of the next big things as well so guys keep your eyes on a rod and rodriguez from alliance at the dream art academy pupil of isaac baez she's gonna be the next big thing let's see an a rod versus tammy match this year yeah that's, that's what i want to see that's
2: basically uh her and jesri are basically the only ones that uh a rod hasn't beaten yet i mean anna is uh she's one of these athletes that it's like mentally she's on that level i just feel like she's in tune, she's focused, and she has that confidence that she's going to step right up to black. I mean, she's already proven she can't. I think she's going to step right up to black belt and uh contend for that world title.
0: It's funny. uh, You talk about the laser focus. She put a post on her Instagram the other day, at her at brown belt or purple belt, and she kind of made a comment, like, the same focus as I had back then. I was ready to go against the black belts, and I am now. So, yeah, she's She's determined. She's not intimidated. She went out there, like I said. She fought some of the greatest black belts in her division at the Queen of Mats. Kicked ass. And took names. A-Rod, watch out for her.
1: Actually, th- your comment there uh, just stuck a little memory of mine where I was filming with Jessica Khan, and she's now, of course, a brown belt, yeah. looking forward to competing in AJP yeah. to take on the black belt. She says she's fired up to take on some black belts, so I just want to throw that out there. Love she's it.
2: somebody that we probably should have mentioned Love in the it. Rooster uh, season preview just because... I mean, at some of these events, Jessica going to be in the mix. She's, She's going to World Pro. That's yeah. the idea. Yeah. So, yeah, so she'll, she'll be in the mix. She'll fight Maissa there, 49 kilograms. All right. What do we got next? Men's Feather?
1: Men's Featherweight. And
2: the visions definitely get
1: a bit deeper here as, as we go up in the size a little bit. Uh, of course, we should start with our preseason number one, Mateus Gabriel from Checkmat. Uh, had an amazing, amazing run his first year at Black Belt. Submission win in the final over Marcio Andre.
2: Yeah, one Pants, two, beat Jamil in the Pants final. Yeah,
1: what can you say about this kid? I mean, he is in, absolutely incredible. Really, really fun to watch. Really dynamic game.
2: Had a good run at Spider, Two, Just a submission hunter. I mean, he tapped Marcio Andre in the world's final. Who does that? Uh, he beat Jamil, the, who, the returning world champ at Pants in the final. And, uh, yeah, he's one. Of, I mean, that's why when people count out these brown boats like Pato or Talis or whatever, like you got to look. Like, look, last year— Mateus Gabriel and of go out is. win worlds their yeah. fir- their very first year. Uh, Lucas uh, Levi beats Lucas Lepre at Euros. Like these guys are ready, man. They're nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, getting their black belt, and they're ready to go right away. And uh, Mateus Gabriel was a perfect example of that that went brown belt champ to black belt world champ and dominated at black belt and featherweight last year. Pans and world champ. I'm really looking forward to him a second year. But but I'm hoping we see a healthy Jamil and get, oh, a, yeah. get a rematch between those two.
1: Hey Ricardo, you've been around for uh, for a minute now. Uh, is that a new thing? Brown belts coming in and immediately making a massive impact, or uh, traditionally has that been uh, you know a common common path for them?
0: No, that's 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 pretty common. I mean, once you if you see them winning at blue, purple, brown at worlds, the chances are they're going to be coming into black belt and doing the same. You know, it's it's a very common sh- it's a very common characteristics, especially nowadays. Like brown and black level is so close you know so it does it, it just, just because he's a brown belt winning at brown doesn't mean that he can't hang or beat the blacks we saw that he's had an amazing year we, we could call him the rookie of the year you know by many means and um he's got all the makings of being one of the greatest of all time as well i really like his game in particular because i mean he's a submission hunter you can notice in his grip he'll like have like kimura grip controls but he also you know he could play the points game he could sweep and kind of play that game too it's very diverse, so big fan of his. Um, again, you know, like you guys said, like to see a rematch with him and Jamil. They've had some wars, but uh, yeah, I'm a big Mateus Gabriel fan. I remember Ch- when Checkmate kind of got him over a couple years ago. They were really excited. I didn't really know too much about him until I saw him at Belt Then, of course, at Black. But yeah, just a phenom.
2: When you look through the guys, okay, we talked Mateus Gabriel and Jamil, but then look at how many other uh, heavy hitters are in this division: Marcio Andre, Sagi Oro, Isaac and Gianni from Alliance, Kachinio, Kennedy, Israel Souza is a brown belt world champ coming in from GFT that could do some damage. Yeah. I think Kennedy is also somebody who might take it up another level this year. He didn't fight worlds because he got put next to Isaac in the bracket and just That's conceded right. to him. But I think Kennedy is somebody that you could look forward to in uh, 2020 to do some damage here. I mean,
1: all all those names are are incredible athletes who have touched the podium at some of these major events. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing Sajiro back in action. I'll tell you why. He never he never gets as much hype as some of the other guys, but he's consistently making the final at major tournaments like Worlds, like Europeans. He's already signed up for Europeans. has a very very classic style of jujitsu, a nice like deep half guard. He has this I don't know what would you even call that sweep like he just sort of like comes under it's like a deep half sweep but he does it to everybody he's unstoppable and i really appreciate people who have sort of a uh, a game like that where you know what they're gonna do but you just can't stop it so i i like watching him in action for what
2: sure a, what about gianni yeah. man gianni's been so close all this time he just can't get done at worlds he's won basically everything else man gianni is so, Gianni and isaac are two people isaac got a big win over uh paulo at the Brasileiro this year mm-hmm. when he won Brasileiro. these are two people that are, are so close and i mean they just got to put in a good day in uh, long beach in may And early June, and they could be the world champion next year too. They're right there.
1: Yeah, it really is a game of of inches. You know, uh, Gianni is clearly one of the hardest workers in Jiu-Jitsu. You know, then that says something. But he he's just in the gym every single day, all day long. You know, he lives for this, and he's also one of the most active competitors. You know, Gianni had. I don't even remember. He put out an article in September last year. I think ahead of ADCC where he competed basically, you know, every single weekend except for two or three that year. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. Um, so looking forward to see him back in action. He is just a technician. I mean, his game's phenomenal. Uh, uh,
2: someone to watch here: Israel Souza. He's a brown belt world champ uh, last year. Might have been a purple belt world champ the year before. I can't remember right now. But he's just a total stud. Vicious passer. Somebody I've been watching at the color belt since blue belt when he won blue belt worlds. Israel Souza is somebody that could show up his first year at black belt and uh, bring home some big titles for sure. Ricardo, what are you thinking about featherweight for for next year?
0: It's too tough, man. You know, like Johnny's been grinding, like you guys said. Johnny's one of the hardest workers. And, and I'm with Chase. You know, Cascão is a disruptor. He can take it any day of the week. You know, he's beaten some of the, a lot of these guys. Um, you know, Sajoro is just such a – he's just a beast. You know, I, I really like watching his game as well. Um, I, I talked about him because he's actually teaching in Montreal, Canada. So I always got to give him props to my Canadian uh, boys here. But yeah, no, is a beast. Any, any one of these guys, it's it, this is a really, really tight bracket. No one, in my opinion, has like a clear huge advantage over the rest of them. It's, it's so tight. And they've all competed against each other so many times. So it's going to be even that much more harder to, to kind of predict a, a clear favorite other than Matias Gabriel.
2: Someone I think that could shake things up here. Uh, I think with the Cicero log jam and light feather, maybe you see Paulo come back at featherweight. He's had success at feather before. I could definitely see with Pato being a fifth guy in there, how, as good as he is, like, what are they going to close out in the quarters? I could potentially see Paulo being a featherweight when he comes back. For I real. mean, you really hope that they don't do yeah, that, yeah.
1: To take that road. Uh, if we had to distill all of those things we are just talking about in featherweight, what would be the key storylines we're looking at for 2020? Um, will we see Mateus Gabriel... Double up on his success. Um, where does Jameel go? Does he does he find the way to, to beat Mateus Gabriel? And then what else? What else? We I'm, got?
2: I'm outside of those two. Outside of the obvious two uh, top two guys, I'm looking at all these vets. All these vets who have been so close for so long. Uh, Saggio or Marcio Andre, Caesinho. Like, can one of these guys get it done? I yeah. Mean, all, anytime, nobody. None of these guys are getting dominated. Really, it's close. It's you know a game of advantages of. A last sweep and they just got to put it together for four matches in in the pyramid and they'll get it and i think this might be the year that one of these vets takes it at featherweight
1: interesting stuff as always let's kick it on over then to the uh female featherweight division here um heading into this season the number one ranked
2: athlete let me ask ricardo first who's your favorite featherweight and why is it bianca basilio ricardo
0: Basilia Bocinia. There it That's is. What it's all about. <laughs> now I just, you know, like she's my favorite because her personality, you know, like her gameness that she brings. Look at that picture, of her biting that mouth. She's just such a, it's just an awesome competitor to watch because she's a true submission author. She goes after it. How could you not love this girl? She did that huge throw on Tayani Porfirio years ago, you know, yeah. that went viral on the internet it's just she's got all the makings of being one of the biggest stars in the the sport and um, you know not just that not just her technical ability you know it's so cool to see her big smile every time and she it's it's hilarious she'll go win or lose she'll lose a fight she's just like you know smiling and it's just she's just she's a ferocious beast on the mat and a smiling sweetheart off the mat She's one of my favorites for sure. It's no well, secret.
2: This division was sort of wild last year, because if as you see here in the video right now, Anna Schmidt got the decision win over via in the uh world final. Anna Schmidt won. But like Fion tapped yeah. Anna Schmidt at Brasileto. Bianca Basilio went back and tapped Anna Schmidt. Here's Fionn tapping Anna right here at Brasileto. Bianca Basilio went back and tapped Anna at uh BJ Stars. Hmm. So they've they've been back and forth. Schmidt took the world title, but it's like it was Fionn or Bianca Basilio's division all year all year long.
1: Yeah, I feel like we see a little bit more uh, ups and downs in, in all the women's divisions where, you know, it's a smaller pool and they're all facing each other so regularly where, I mean, man, that must be so frustrating in some sense to to have that kind of rival that is going to be there every single event. But it does make things interesting for us at home, for us viewing the matches.
2: I mean, Bianca Basilio, she's just breaking girls' legs. Almost every time she goes out now, she gets That footlock's maybe the most automatic move in jiu-jitsu right now. Here we see her doing her little flip after uh, – winning the world pro but yeah she's vicious with that footlock, and i think she's somebody who just really uh she just turned it around this last year she was up and down she was yeah. doing lightweight a lot and losing to be a mosquito before she dropped a featherweight and i think that was the, the right weight for her and i think she just really figured things out and i, I think going into 2020 you got to be thinking be a is going to be running this but you can't get out Fion
1: absolutely not definitely cannot count wow. Fionn. Yeah, the, uh, the fire starter, the upstart you know last year was an amazing breakout season for fion uh had some big wins at europeans uh qualified for adcc looked great all year long and uh i love her her tenacity as well she's ferocious she's out there killing girls as well
2: yeah i mean she's she's tapped some really big names i mean she's uh in their series so far she's Basilio's three and one against Fionn, but Fionn has been beating everyone else. Like, she was so close to getting the Grand Slam in 2019. It was just Worlds. Yeah. Just the footlock at Worlds was mm-hmm. all that kept her from getting the Grand Slam. So, I mean, th- that was only her first year as a black belt. So, I mean, let's not forget even, that
1: that armbar ADCC over Bia Mosquito. Yeah, I mean that, that that's a Hall yeah. of Fame moment. You know, you could put that up there with the greatest moments in jujitsu. Um,
0: just and even um, even at even at World Pro when she fought Bia Mosquito, Sorry to interrupt you, but that was a tough fight for Bia. You know, Bia wasn't dominating from start to finish there. Fion gave her some trouble. You know that was you know and she had an amazing year. So you know, look out for Fionn. and she's pretty hilarious too. If you guys follow her on social <laughs> media, she's pretty funny. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Fion's a super fun athlete to, to to work with. You know, she's very very friendly and just a savage on the mats. I feel like that's a common theme there for for the women's divisions.
2: And uh, yeah, you I got some I, tough checkmate girls in there. Antunes might be in the mix. Uh, Natalie Hiberro, yeah, really tough. No, world champion. Yeah, I mean Natalie Hiberro beat Bianca Basilio at Worlds a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, I believe 2018 took her back. So yeah, there's a lot of girls. And that Karen, to I, uh, to.
0: I I believe Karen taught. Submitted Bianca a few or maybe a year or two ago. Yeah, so, Pans. Karen and at pans. You can at Pans, right? So Karen is another one of those ones you can never count out. Uh, we talk about her super aggressive submission on her goes for flying triangles. I saw it. She had a really slick match that just came up on IBGGF, and uh, she did a fake double leg to a flying triangle after. It was beautiful, beautiful job. So she could disrupt anyone. She has. You know, we're talking about Bianca Basilio. She doesn't just have a win. She has a submission win. So she has just as good a chance of winning and dominating that division this year as anyone. Yeah,
1: you know, it's... um. It's funny that that Gracie Umaita has a reputation for a super strong women's team, so does Atos. But Checkmat might be contenders. I think they might have even won the team title at Nogi Worlds for for the women's division. Um, I
2: believe. They, yeah, they got a lot of maybe, good girls. Maybe
1: Ryan can check that out from back there. Nogi Worlds team title for the women for Black Belt.
2: But, they got um, Kaka, they got Raquel uh, Canudo, they got Beta Toscano. They got a lot of good girls coming from Checkmat.
1: You know, of course, Michelle Nicolini flying yeah. the Checkmat banner. So they do have a really strong. Uh, women's team there but a couple more names that that jump out here at featherweight we have some dark horses of the division heather raftery uh nogi world silver medalist had a great showing there against talita uh in the final even though she didn't take home the w looked really good and then uh a ray alexander from tli is another regular competitor who can mix things up on the right day a lot of a lot of good stuff happening at division very very busy very competitive um maybe one of the deepest talent pools i think out there should we move it right to London, gentlemen? Male lightweight. Let's kick it over Let's to the it. male lightweight. What are the biggest stories, Michael, from the male lightweight division here?
2: Uh, leprey does he come back? I mean, you got Levi had had a great year. Sort of stumbled uh, near the end. He <laughs> he tore it up in the beginning. In the middle, he got knee bar by Oliver Lavelle at World Pro. He double DQ at uh, Worlds, and then he bounces back at Spider to beat Gabriel Arges, to like that, to have a have a great run-and-win spider. So, Levi's second year, does he put it together? I mean, Lucas Lepre, obviously, you know, six-time world champ, the heavy favorite, he's coming back. And, uh, you know, Lucas Valenti and Hanato Canuto are obviously studs, but I think somebody to really look out for here is Jonathan Alves at AOJ. Mm. I think he's somebody who first year could do some – Really do some damage.
1: Man, Jonathan um, didn't have the, the results he would have loved at Spider, but he opened up as strong as you possibly could with a submission win over uh, Jameel there. That was one of the craziest starting rounds I've ever seen at a tournament. Baron bullet to the back. Under a minute. Under a minute. Black world champion. So clean, so crisp. You know, Jonathan does have all the talent in the world. He's a workhorse as well. Um, yeah this division is super deep i i I was there i I guess it's very fresh in my mind being at spider and seeing a lot of these guys in the under 76 kilogram division uh you couldn't be anything else besides super impressed with levi jones leary he looked phenomenal for someone that struggled a little bit with the 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 strategy elements of the game and the double guard pull game uh, he put it all together there at spider but there was a risky moment there i mean in the final uh it got three penalties it could have been a double dq and who knows what would have happened there, but Levi's one of my favorite people to watch. Yeah,
2: Levi's gotta stop with those uh double guard pole poundations. <laughs> it men. is so nerve wracking, even yeah. as a
1: spectator, like, oh God, you know, this is the final, man.
2: Yeah. Don't do it. It'll be interesting him and Jonathan Alves go up against each other who who wins that little bolo battle. I mean, they both are, you know, next level with it. Uh I mean
1: that, that guy's like Canato Canuto, Renato who will Canuto. always mix things up. Yeah. Hanato is one of the best uh, gi and no gi athletes around today. Dynamic style. I mean, Ricardo, what can you tell me about Hanato that that would help viewers understand just this guy's level of talent?
0: I think he's, in my opinion, he's the most exciting gi grappler um, and probably no gi grappler right now, in my opinion. I think he's just super fun to watch. Um, you know, if he's if it's no gi, he's doing you know tip, double leg, single leg takedowns, and the gi's doing beautiful throws beautiful flying goes arm locks, jumping guard passes. But, you know, with with playing that loose game, it's no risk versus reward. And, you know, sometimes a guy with such perfect technique like Lucas, you know, that it'd it be real careful, you know, and um, as, as exciting as Hinato is, it's that excitement is what kind of plays down. Uh, that's his downfall a little bit too, you know. So he's super excited to watch and he can, he's capable of winning any major tournament in the world. Um, it's not just like he just goes out there and does crazy stuff. His technique is second to none. But, man, this, this division, it's really the question of – I see Bear in the chat room saying, is Lepre going to return? Is the is the excellence of execution Lucas Lepre – I'm going to give him that <laughs> name, the, the perfectionist Lucas Lepre. Is he going to return? So, I mean, Bear, one of his sponsors, putting a little – Question mark out there. Maybe he's got some inside scoop, fellas. But basically, if, if Lepre does not compete, this division is wide open. And I cannot wait to see it go down. You talk about Levi. You talk about Jonathan Alves, the phenom. People were saying that he could win Black Belt Worlds when he was still a brown, uh, purple belt. The kid was just, you know, he's such a phenom. And Levi, you, you guys talked about Levi. I, I personally see the maturity of Levi Jones in that Spider event more than anything so I can't wait to see, uh, can't wait to see this division here.
2: Lucas Valente too. I mean, he's somebody who sort of came out of nowhere and made it to the world final last year. He hadn't done anything nearly that big, but his guard is so good. Yeah, I mean,
1: was it a decision win for Lucas or just an advantage? Was, I believe it was a ref's decision. I think it was very close. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, Igor Rodriguez, won one the Braziletto. He's somebody to look out for. He could do some damage here. Uh, do we
1: think um JT's not gonna come back to to lightweight? Uh, he did middleweight
2: last year. Right. That's so right. I, I have him at. I mean. It might be better for Atos if he goes lightweight because they have so many middleweights. But, I mean, he's fighting Lucas Valente at third coast, so maybe That's maybe what got me thinking yeah, right maybe there. Maybe he's going—I mean, if JT gets in the mix here, it's really going to shake things up too.
1: Uh, Man, what, what? What? think about this. What if Leprey maybe sits out most of the season, maybe comes back for Worlds, and then JT slides in at lightweight? That would just totally change the entire division, the landscape completely.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're going to get some crazy quarterfinals regardless, but if JT gets in there, yeah, I mean— you never know. Yeah, he came back and did middleweight last year. He had a tough draw. He fought Izaki in the quarters up in middleweight. I think I'd rather see him at lightweight, to tell you the truth. Athos has so many guys. There's so many people up at middleweight. It's pretty crazy. I'd like to see JT do lightweight.
1: There's that also always a couple of wild cards here in lightweight. Uh, Johnny Tama had a breakout. Breakup performance at Nogi Worlds. Yeah. Currently, I think, 25 ranked lightweight on our, our rankings here. But, man, he had a great showing there at Nogi Worlds. Became a Nogi World Champion. Uh, maybe that,
2: that... Natan Chouang's been doing really good in his first year at Black Belt. He's beat some big names already. Uh, someone who hasn't been too active in the Gi that can – got to remember was a silver medalist at Worlds one year is uh, Edwin Najmi. Oh, yeah, of Edwin, Edwin can show up and uh, do some damage. Uh, he's been doing a lot more Nogi lately, but I'm sure he'll be in the mix for the Gi season. And yeah, I think Jonathan Alves is just really somebody to watch, though. I could, I, I think Jonathan Alves. T- he, I think he, he might not beat Lepre at Worlds, but I think he wins a major this year during the season.
1: Fair play. So if we had to distill this again into the biggest themes for the lightweight division, number one, what happens to Lucas Leprey? Is that the biggest question going into 2020?
2: Yeah, 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 it does. Lucas compete. I mean, you can't even score on him in the period uh, in the pyramid. When, he, when he's in Long Beach at Worlds, he's just so sharp, uh, positionally so dominant. Doesn't give up any points even. Uh, Levi scored with him off of Barambolo. Maybe Jonathan Alves could do the same. Uh, yeah, I think it's Lepre versus the Young Guns is going to be the story. I hope Lepre comes back.
1: Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Lepre is an uh, so absolute treasure of s- jiu-jitsu.
2: Somebody else who I think might – I haven't ranked at middleweight right now, but might end up at lightweight is uh, gucheri Barbosa. And hmm. Guccieri's good man. He beat Jonathan Alves at Euros last year.
1: He's always undersized. Like he always competes up a division, yeah. I feel like. He's beat some good he black wins, belts already. So, he yeah. beat
2: Jamie Canudo at Black Belt already. And he's he's a he's a problem if he goes into lightweight as well.
1: Very nice. Well then let's kick on over to the women's lightweight divisions right. here. Uh as your article states, be a mosquito seems to have this thing on lock. Is that is that ring true for everyone here? What do you guys think about that?
2: If she comes back, uh nine time world champ already, I mean Nobody's even close. She's just stopping people. She's running through girls, you know, mountain girls in the finals of major tournaments, mount, mountage, uh, Charlotte Von Baumgarten in the in the final of worlds, uh, just doing whatever she wants. I think if Bia comes back, heavy favorite to get it again. If not, I think we might see Fionn go up to lightweight and uh, see Fionn run things up at lightweight. But Gabby McComb, Gabby McComb's a monster too.
1: Ricardo, I see you leaning think, in over um, there. What are you thinking about women's yeah, lightweight?
0: Yeah, that's my cue. Um, you know, the thing with Bia is is she, she made a comment uh, about, you know, her interest in fighting MMA. But what we're starting to see more than ever now are jiu-jitsu athletes hinting at MMA but not ever going. Because yeah. then they start to see the road to get where they want to be at the pinnacle. And, you know, it's not that it's hard, but it's it, – obviously it's hard. But compare it to the jujitsu market, there's just so much more money they can make – and just as a long-term uh, career, I feel like, you know, we're in a good era because there's so much more opportunity for jiu-jitsu athletes. So um, if it's Bia – if Bia sticks with jiu-jitsu, it's hers. But it's a, it's an if, you know. We never know what's going to happen. I feel like everyone that says they're going to do MMA is never really fully committed. Like Bruno, like Gordon Ryan, like they're all going to come back into jujitsu. jiu-jitsu. You know, the Hodolfo, you know what I mean? He was – he said he was going to be done, but – he came back, so I think we'll see. B. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that.
2: Yeah, you're right. Though, whenever I hear the uh, MMA thing nowadays, I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, we'll see. You know, and, and t- until you have a fight signed or whatever, I, we've heard a whole bunch of big names uh, say it and not follow through. And
0: I mean, don't the only, the only one that stuck to their gun is Kron Gracie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Adolfo. Adolfo. he Completely, he's he's done. No, but Hadolpho came back. Yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? Kron yeah, yeah, was yeah. like, I'm doing you, I'm doing this, and that's it. I'm done. That part of me is over. Hodolfo was like,
2: $100,000 in
0: Korea? Okay, I'm back.
1: <laughs> well, I think uh, you offer a, a women's Grand Prix with $100,000. You might see Bia jump on that. I imagine she would. Absolutely. But there are some other key names, of course, in this division. Um, Bia's teammate, Gabby McComb, may be the one to take over the crown. Yeah,
2: she's a beast. She's really really vicious, really beats up on girls. Uh, it's not as deep in talent as, the other one, as Light Feather or Feather, but at the top, I think... You might actually see Fion up in this division this year. Fionn might have even if he is back. Fionn might have got a little uh, confidence after breaking her arm at ADCC. Fair point. And uh, yeah, it might be just uh, better for her to go up here and avoid Basilio down at featherweight, who's been a problem for.
1: We also have uh, Jenna Bishop present here at lightweight, an American Nationals champ, world's bronze medalist, ADCC qualifier. Uh, Jenna Bishop is one of the top athlete, American female athletes uh, today at Black Belt. Always mixing things up, looking tough. As usual. And you mentioned um, Charlotte Von Baumgarten. Man, she is really hard. She she is really tough to deal with out there. She gives girls hell. And um, silver medalist at both the Worlds and European Championships to a B. A. Mosquito.
2: Yeah. If B. Mosquito not in those brackets, she won, probably won Worlds and Euros last year. A so.
1: couple more newcomers that are worth mentioning. is uh, uh, You're going to have to help me out with this name. J- Janina? Janina? I, I don't
2: know how to say Janina, maybe? J-
1: Janina yeah. Maya and Nikki Sullivan
0: Janaina. Janaina.
1: Janaina. There we go, right. Yeah, we should kick it to you because uh, that that one hurt to say. I'm sorry. Apologies to Miss Maya out there. Uh, representing Gracie Umaita as well. We have Nicole Sullivan, Nicole Nikki Sullivan from Atos. Uh, Michelle Oliveira from Nova Uniao. And Hope Douglas from Australia representing Cicero Costa, who um, has always been very, very tough. So
2: That old Vera girl from Nova Uniao is really tough. I saw her at a few tournaments at Brown Boat last year. She's... She'll probably make the podium at Worlds well, her first year, I think.
1: Man, we are running through these divisions. Should we just uh, kick it on over into the male middleweight division?
2: Uh, let's save it. Let's, uh, let's. All right, let's do this. Yeah. I'll go through. I'll pick my champ, and you guys, you guys, tell me what you think about, about my pick. I'm gonna go.
1: Where, where are we starting at? Are we going back to Rooster Way? back to the beginning. I'm all gonna right. say <laughs>
2: this. Is what I'm gonna say. Mikey Musumeci does light feather, and Talisson wins at Roosterweight. What do you think?
1: I mean that seems like a face bet or, sorry safe bet um
2: yeah, I, we, I'm I'm, I'm picking Tyson over Bruno
1: cuz I think Bruno's coming back. Well, we'll see that's what I was going to say here is if Bruno comes back I'm going to pick Bruno but I don't know if he's going to come back. We have no idea. But if he's back and Mikey moves back to light feather, I think Bruno takes it but I'm hoping to see Tyson and Bruno. That's that's my dream match. So if Bruno comes back it's Bruno. If Bruno's gone and Mikey's gone, then it's Talisman. That's where I stand there for Rooster Weight.
2: I think maybe Bruno beats Talisman early. Talisman pulls like a Marigali in his first year when he lost a low early and then comes back and beats mm. him at Worlds. I think Talison's just the real deal, man. I think he's a prodigy. I think the kid's got a good head on his shoulders. He's super good at jujitsu. I'm picking Talisman to be a first year black belt here. Because I do not think Mikey Moussometchi is doing a Rooster I definitely don't think he's fighting two weight classes. I think he's a light feather.
1: What do you think of that I, analysis there, Ricardo? I,
0: I concur. <laughs>
1: fair play <laughs> yeah. fair play keeping it right down the middle
2: uncle ricky uh um, rooster weight female uh Maisa Bastos, move on i mean <laughs> are you guys I, gonna challenge me there
1: i wouldn't challenge you but let's just hit the women's light feather since i've all got that pulled up here um i don't know i, I i'm hoping tammy Musamechi comes back at, at, at light feather
2: yeah we're talking rooster though maisa yeah, and I oh, said, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, I yeah. concur. I think yeah, yeah, Mice is oh, a yeah. safe bet there
1: at, at Rooster. Yeah. Um, but you never know. Rikako could pull off a miracle. But... Ryan
2: Brenda Larissa's beater, but I think Mice is going to get it done.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're correct about that.
2: Man's light feather. Mikey Musumeci goes up to light feather, in my opinion. I'm going to say Mikey Musumeci gets it done. I think Paulo's either doesn't come back or is featherweight. I think I think the biggest challenge to Mikey Musumeci is Diego Pato, the first-year black belt. I think those are the guys to watch at Life feather. I'm gonna say Mikey Musumeci, Roosterweight champ next year. Talisson, light feather. Mikey Musumeci wins his fourth. What are you thinking about Paulo? Paulo gonna make the jump? Maybe he doesn't come back in time. Maybe he goes to featherweight. Man, if Paulo does light feather, Mikey's beat the rest of them. But Paulo's a whole different animal. I think that's fair. You know, and if Paulo is indeed getting if Paulo goes some... light feather, I'm picking Paulo. I'll go I'll go with it. But okay. I think he goes feather and I think Mikey wins light feather.
1: I was gonna say you mentioned maybe that that Paulo might be undergoing some surgery. Have some time off the mats so that might have him bulk up a little he bit. He probably
2: needs a few surgeries. Yeah. Uh,
1: those guys are banged up.
2: Uh, what do you think? Uh that that's an intriguing matchup. If we get Mikey and Paulo, what do you think, Ricardo? It's never happened. Mikey's had the number of the rest of the guys from Cicero, but Paulo he's he's the big dog over there.
0: Uh, that's a tough one that's a tough one it's so yeah i i don't i don't have an answer for that one i you know i kind of i feel like mikey's the right answer there you know i think just just on a tear just doing so good um you know the time off for paulo is definitely going to be a factor so i think it's i think it's mikey
2: yeah mikey mentally is uh he's there man he just flawless i mean Wins worlds every year. I mean, he didn't lose a single match in two thousand nineteen. All right, so I am going with I am going with Mike as my light feather champ. Women's light feather. Oh, it's a tough one. We got the honey badger. We yeah. got A Rod. We got Tammy. Who else is is? Oh, Amanda. Amanda,
1: maybe Jesery. I mean, we have the wild card. Jesery. Amal. Amal. Uh, Amajahid. That always is is a tough battle for anyone.
2: I think Amal sort of counted out because she didn't have the best year last year. Uh, but she's beat beat a few of these girls before. I wonder if she
1: could make rooster weight. I feel like she's not that big for the division.
2: I hope so. If all can make, I mean, I don't know, rooster. So to had to cut half her hair yeah, off to I make know. rooster it, weight. It, like
1: it's really small. I think it's one twenty five. Yeah. I don't know if that isn't kilograms, but you have to be pretty dang
2: tiny. It's probably lower than that. Like one twenty five is like rooster for male. Rooster female is lighter. <laughs> oh. Let me let me look it up. Uh, I'm gonna go a rod. I'm taking a rod to get it done in her first year. I think. I think she's in the zone, but she's going to have a tough route. She's probably going to have to beat three Black Belt world champions to get it done in Long Beach.
1: Yeah, I think the match to make there is Tammy Musamechi versus Ana Rodriguez. You know, um, Tammy beat what was it? Three world champions on her way to the world title after not competing for a whole year. Um, but you have to you have to think that that a layoff counts for something. You know, Ana Rodriguez is hyperactive, competes as often as possible. Uh, that may give give her the edge going into the World Championships.
2: Rooster for females, 107. 107? Yeah, yeah, 107. I was a bit off there at 125. The on, oh, yeah. my
1: God, that is very small. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Maisa is really tiny, and she had to cut half of her hair off just to make way to Nogi Worlds for Rooster. So, I mean.
1: 107 pounds. Man, that makes me feel like a giant. But anyways, um, Ana Rodriguez is definitely, I think, a, a safe bet. But I'm hoping we see Tammy back because that's the match I want to see.
2: All right. Now we going on to uh, men's featherweight. You got Mateus Gabriel. You got Jamil. I mean, Jamil's had health issues and stuff. Uh, he took a bad loss at Spider, but it was too a lightweight. He got a bunch of vets out. Uh, you know what I'm saying? What are you saying, Mike? I love Mateus Gabriel, but I'm saying Gianni gets it done finally. Gianni's been so close. It's just Worlds has been the time where he hasn't got it done. I'm going Gianni Grippo, 2020 World Champ.
1: Ooh, that's a bold call. I like I know. that. Gianni's
2: I, won a lot of stuff, I, man.
1: I, I like it. No, he's hit the podium so many times. He's this close, you know, um, and he, like I, like I was saying earlier, one of the hardest workers. I think the money's got to be a Mateus Gabriel. You know, he, he's had a. Amazing first year. He's a submission hunter and um, has beat some of the very best guys in this division. Looked great against people that fight a division heavier, such as Levi jones Larry there and the Spider final. Um, yeah, I I what was his record at, at purple and brown? It was like a hundred wins and zero losses. Like
2: Mateus Gabriel? Yeah,
1: we put out an article a little while back and it was some insane statistic like that when he was still up in Dallas at Checkmat with uh Professor Kaiser and um yeah, he was just a, a phenom then. Phenom yeah. now. I think think he's gonna do it again.
2: If Jamil comes back healthy, I mean you uh can't count out Jamil. But I'm gonna go with one of these vets. I'm going Gianni. What do you think about me taking Gianni to win this weight class, Ricardo?
0: Think I'm an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> no i don't i don't think you're an idiot i don't think you're an idiot but but i got Mateus. it's nothing yeah. that you know it's hard to I count just on Mateus. feel like i feel like uh it's just his year you know i think uh like i said he was rookie of the year last year just amazing technique he's so well-rounded he can play he's such a versatile guard player i think it's Mateus gabriel i think he's one of check matt's elite level competitors and uh I think it's his, you know, the guys at Jack matter telling me so much about him. Um, I believe it. I've seen it. So I believe it. I think it's, I think it's Mateus Gabriel.
1: Yeah. No,
2: he, they- I, I'm tempted to take Paulo at feather just because I sort of have a feeling he's going to go that way, but you don't know with coming off of an injury and, and, uh, you know, jumping into the season late, uh, you know, you you don't know how he's, how ready he's going to be. I was going to when he's probably me He's a beast. I mean, he'll probably come back really early and be all right. But, uh, yeah, I'm just that's what I'm worried about with Paulo. And then we have uh women's featherweight, right? We haven't done that one.
1: Haven't gotten there yet. Who are you picking? Are the footlock machine, the
2: bochina queen,
1: Bianca Fian. Basilio, who are you gonna go with?
2: Fionn's so good, but it's like uh Basilio's got her number. Basilio's three and one against her. I mean, first thing first, Fiont's just gotta keep her feet away from uh Bianca. because mm. Bianca's uh hit her with a with a straight ankle, hit her with a toe hold at ADCC. Uh yeah, I, I'm going to say Bianca Basilio I mean, gets her first world title in 2020. She hasn't got it yet. I think Bianca Basilio gets her first black belt world title in 2020. I think it's her time.
1: I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. She's consistently so good and maybe had her best year ever last year, um, winning ADCC. She's got all the tools to get it done. I feel like she's hitting the prime of her career now, and uh, I think it's her year as well. That seems like a smart choice to me.
2: What do you think uh, – Ricardo, what do you think Fionn's got to do uh, – to beat Bianca, how do you think? What what game plan do you think Fion needs to use to to avoid those leg locks and beat Bianca Basilio next year?
0: I think you know she's just got to be first in yeah. all aspects. I think uh, the issue with Bianca is she's so good at takedowns. She takes you down and she's on top. She'll grab your foot and snap it. If she pulls guard first, she'll play Delahiva, lop you to the side. And then go for the bocina on that same slag. So, you know, you, you got to be first with her. And I think that the the people who are first against her, like Bia Mosquita, um, if you look at how they've done it, I think that Fionn needs to take a page out of that book. You know, pulling close guard, going for the arm, going for the back attacks. That's the way to do it. You know, you eliminate the threat of the footlock at all costs. You keep her nice and closed and you attack the back, you attack the neck, attack the arm. That's that's what I would vote. If I was a strategist of any sort, I would say go for that strategy. Bianca Mosquita laid out the plan how to beat Bianca Vasilio. These other girls are just not sticking to it, and that's why they're getting caught. And that's why half of them, when they go raise Bianca Vasilio's arm at the end of the match, they're not even standing there because they've been off the mat because of the EMS because yeah. their foot's busted up. So. It is brutal.
2: Taking off on a stretcher. Yeah. 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 it's uh, Exactly. Bianca, yeah, and then exactly. Bianca's just, you know, jumping around, happy little girl, and she just broke somebody's leg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nicest person in jiu-jitsu. Kind of terrifying if you think yeah. about it. Yeah. But uh, male lightweight. All right. As tempted as I am to go with one of the up-and-comers like Levi or John Talvis, you, you can't pick against Lepri. If Leprey comes back, it's his division. I'm going to go with Levi.
1: He's done it once. I think uh, he, you beat, know,
2: he beat Gabriel Argus as Spider, too, though, which is wild.
1: It is wild. He beat the middleweight world champ. And so I, I think uh, beat the middleweight and the featherweight world champ. I think Levi has all the talent, all the tools. Um, he plays a risky game plan, which has gotten into trouble, and he continues to push that line every time with the double guard pulls. Um, however, if he's able to overcome that predicament then yeah i think he he could pull it off this year we'll see but leprey's so good and you know i feel like you catch him once and that's it i mean and when i say catch i mean you you get the the advantage like it wasn't really much All of a right.
2: it's a small catch if ricardo you're going leprey i'd imagine right
0: as the uh your former president george bush once said uh fool me once uh shame on you fool me twice uh never going to fool me again something like that right, yeah. but anyways yeah no he's not going to he's not going to fool leprey again uh Lepre is like i said he's the excellence of execution i think he's had time to really evaluate what went wrong in that match and he's going to come back stronger than ever if he does it's leprey and if he doesn't the rest of that division better thank lucas Lepre because it's wide open and levi is definitely at the front runner so something
2: something to consider is uh, Levi got him at Euros, right? Like, getting Lepre in January is not, yeah. the, not the same as getting him in early June, late May. He shows up. He's prime form Lepre. He's like, you can't move him. You can't even gain an inch on him at, at Worlds. And another another factor there, I mean, I sound like I'm making excuses for him. Another factor there at Euros was he had that crazy absolute run. I was going to say, before. he did the absolute. He fought kind of Duarte yep. the day before. Basically wrestled kind of on Duarte for half the match. I mean, he had to have been pretty worn out, but, I mean,
1: yeah, he's not doing that at and Worlds. You, there's no, yeah. there's no chances. Did you was.
0: guys, did you guys hear the story of how, why he did the absolute? Like he wasn't even supposed to. It's just like his friend that signed him up just signed him up for it or something. But he wasn't planning on doing it. He got pranked and he was into like, beating well,
1: Duarte. Is that what you're telling me? I
0: know, no, 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 <laughs> It wasn't pranked. But I, I believe he said that you know his uh, his friend Elan Santiago. Um, you guys know him. He's one of Ted today's good friends. And he's a old, you know, Alliance TT guy. But basically I think that he signed leprey if, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe that he signed leprey up for the absolute. And Leprey was like, well, you know, Lepre's like the nicest guy in the world. He's like, well, my name is already there. So I might as well do it. And then he just went in and had like amazing performances. So I, I love that. I love that story. leprey is like such a nice guy, such a humble champion. Um you know, I just I think it's his. I'm gonna I got mean, a I got a little story for you guys. It's Uncle Ricky story time. Okay. Back in uh, I think it was 2007 2008. I believe it was Lepre's first black belt world title. You know, I was uh, hanging out with some of the Alliance guys at the time, and no one knew who he was. And he was in the semifinals against Selvino, and everyone, you know, a lot of the older Je- Alliance guys were just like. Yeah, good luck, Lucas. You know, like, they were kind of, like, thought that the lamb was going out there for the slaughter. It turns out he tapped out Celso in the semifinals and then goes to the op- or goes to the finals and win. I believe that's what happened. But he made a name for himself. He's just, he can overcome anything. You know, we see that match with Kaiden Duarte. L- look at it this way. Kaiden is, is in the running for the best black belt of the year. He's won every single event. And Lepre did that to him at Europeans. Lepre is something special. One of the greatest of all time, Lucas Lepre.
1: Easy, easy, easily on that list of goats for sure.
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, if he doesn't come back, I'm going to go, uh, it's going it's going down to Levi versus John Talvis. One of those. Things.
1: Like, yeah. And then rounding out our champs discussion here with the female lightweight division question mark is around being mosquito at this point.
2: I'm going to say so be a I don't know. She's, been on vacation for months now it seems like uh she did her arm she's yeah, never, she yeah. she had the the arm injury there at ABC yeah. yeah she's talking about MMA uh she'll be back be be able to come back and win it. if she doesn't if she doesn't come back i think fion comes up and beats Gabby McComb in the final i think fion will come up and do uh lightweight.
1: yeah that's an interesting pick uh, I, I i do think fion would make the jump to try and uh maybe
2: i think fion might do it regardless she signed up at light at light for uh your Euros players. right now. Yeah, okay. We might see Fionn at lightweight this year. I think
1: that would be very interesting. Switch up to that division, but I I agree.
2: If B is Catherine
0: it... is is Catherine Perret in that division?
2: I think she goes back and forth from there to middleweight. Uh, she's another okay. one to watch out for.
0: Yeah, I mean if 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 Bia Mesquita is out, Catherine has a submission win over Fion. Um, her and Gabby McComb have fought a bunch of times. Catherine is a disruptor. If Bia's in, she wins. If Bia's out, without a doubt, it's Catherine Perret. I'll try a to doubt. rhyme something there. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good call.
2: Yeah. Uh the division get open gets a lot more interesting if Bia's not there. But if Bia's there, I mean she's the goat. It's Hard to pick against her. Hundred percent. Well, guys, I think that takes us
1: up to the limit here. We had a great time. Very excited to be back in 2020. Geese season's around the corner. Nonstop action on flow grappling starting just next weekend with event after event after event. Do not forget that the 2019 Flow Grappling Awards for the best grapplers of the year, best match, best submission uh, are going on right now. You have until next Tuesday to get in your votes for that. Don't delay. Do it now. And we will be announcing
2: the, the results on Thursday. Um, so, I- rundown. We have three fight to wins this month. 134, 135, 136. All of them got really good main events and some other good matches. Euros for a week at the end of the month. Jits King is coming. Uh, we have who's number one? February 8th, Costa Mesa. If you're going to be out there for kids, pans, or whatever, who's number one in the event? Flow Grappling Ticks, TIX. We have Keenan Cornelius versus Roberto Jimenez. Nicholas Maragalli versus Victor Hugo. And then 12 or 13 fights with the best color belts in the world. Uh, I picked some really exciting color belts to go out there and fight. It's going to be a great one. You should come check it out.
1: All right, guys. Well, Ricardo, thanks for calling in from the great north. And uh, we will see you guys at our normal scheduled time next Wednesday. That's uh, at 11 a.m. EST. And then we'll, we'll catch up then. So have a great rest of your week. Happy New Year. And we'll see you guys on the next show.